Welcome to Cohen & Company's Chief Insights Podcast, a thought leadership series designed for C-level executives, board members, and other top decision makers. Hello, I'm Aaron Kea, a partner in the Valuation Services Group at Cohen & Company. Welcome to this episode of Chief Insights. Today we're going to talk about business valuation, specifically, why should I have my business valued, and as a business owner, can I answer the question, what is my business worth? I'm joined today by Josh Lefkowitz, the partner in charge of our valuation department, who has spent a lot of time exploring this area, working with clients in the valuation profession for nearly 20 years in a wide array of valuation projects. Josh and I both have worked on projects for compliance purposes, transactional consulting, and litigation cases. Hello, Aaron. Happy to be here and talk about this subject today. So, Josh, there are numerous reasons why someone has to have their business valued. For example, litigation, tax planning, acquisitions, and other types of um, normal ongoing business needs. What I want to kind of focus on and talk about today are why someone should have their business valued as opposed to why they must or need to have their business valued. Yeah, I think that's a great thing to talk about. Um, Can the business owner answer the question, what is my business worth? is a really integral question that I believe all business owners should be able to answer. Most business owners that we're working with have a significant portion of their net worth wrapped up in that business. It's illiquid in nature. It's not just something they can take to market and convert to cash very easily. So for planning purposes and understanding you know, what they're going to do from a succession perspective, what they're going to do from a family planning perspective, um, understanding what the value of what's usually their greatest uh, worth asset is something that they should really understand. Um, and so that that's what we're oftentimes dealing with is, is there sufficient value to uh, provide for children and generation beyond that? Uh, is there a child that wants to take over the business that's interested in, in what the business is doing? Um, is there a situation where we should be exiting the business completely to to a strategic buyer or perhaps private equity is the route to go? Is there a very strong management team in place where maybe an ESOP makes sense? Uh, these are the questions uh, that as a business owner, you really have a fiduciary responsibility to be asking. And obviously, from a from a family perspective, if a significant amount of your net worth is tied up in this business, uh, you obviously want to understand what you're dealing with, what the market value is, as opposed to an intrinsic value that that you may put on on your business. So, to to kind of summarize what you, what you let in with, really, it's an opportunity for the business owner to get a good perspective of their entire nest egg or their net worth. Um, most of us get uh, information from our investment advisors as far as what our stocks and our bonds and our 401k is worth. And, and, right. this, and this is a way for a business owner to uh, help potentially identify what may be their largest asset, their largest personal asset, and, and help them understand what it's worth and what it means for retirement and succession planning and things like that. That's exactly right. For the purposes we're talking about today, we're not talking about a, a situation where it's a necessity. Um, here, we're talking about information gathering effectively. Is, is this also valuable, Josh, um, when a business owner gets it, their, their business appraised early on and maybe their, uh, whether it be in the business life cycle or just where they are at 
um, on, a, on an individual level. Is it helpful to the business owner because it gives them the opportunity to understand what drives value and maybe how they can uh, work or things that they can focus on to increase the value of the business going forward so the next time they get evaluation done, they have the ability to increase or, or you know, uh, grow the size of the business? Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, the the type of valuation assignment that we're talking about here today is one, again, it's informational in nature. It's intended to educate the business owner. So what we're going to focus on uh, from a technical perspective are what are the valuation drivers and what are the uh, key risks associated with the business? Um, we're going to talk about in a little bit the income approach. And effectively, the income approach is a simple equation of cash flow divided by risk. And so what are the cash flows that the business can generate? How can we maximize those cash flows? And what is the risk associated with those cash flows? Because an investor is going to expect a certain rate of return on that business. So the analogy that I like to use is related to real estate because most people have maybe a little bit of a better understanding with that. If you think about uh, a building that's appraised, uh, the building generates rents and the value is derived from the future rental value. And so you may take your uh, million dollars of net operating income from, from rental activities and assume a 7% cap rate, which is sort of like the going, the, the going run rate right now in, in, in a lot of uh, real estate valuations that we see. And so it's that one, that million dollars of cash flow divided by 7% is going to yield your value under an income approach. Um, that's sort of the same exercise that we're talking about in a business valuation, but it's, it, there's not as much direct market data available to us on a business valuation because businesses are oftentimes very unique in how they operate. And so we've got to do a more in-depth analysis, understanding what those future cash flows look like. Um, what are the valuation drivers to that business? How are we generating cash flow? Uh, how are we, you know, what are we doing from an expense perspective? Are we maximizing profitability? Um, are we focused on tax minimization strategies or, you know, how are we operating the business in terms of valuation driving? Um, from the risk perspective, you know, what are our a simple SWOT analysis, right? What are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? What are our opportunities and our threats? That's the type of analysis that we're talking about doing. And as a business owner, if you don't have a keen understanding of that already, um, what we're talking about today is you you should have that just from a normal business operation perspective. One of the things you mentioned, Josh, was uh, cash flow, right? So yep. cash flow and in, in, in risk, and, and one of the things that uh, that most business appraisers will will typically evaluate as they're evaluating cash flow are uh, there are several adjustments that we'll typically look for. Right. Uh, the, the two most common are what we call non recurring items or non recurring expenses. And what that really is, is those are expenses of the business that are uh, expenses that we don't anticipate or expect to occur frequently or, or year in and year out. So we'll go through the process of normalizing those types of expenses. And a lot of times, those types of expenses may be one-time legal fees for being involved in a lawsuit. Sometimes there's warranty and reserve work that has to be done. 
that we don't anticipate or the business owner doesn't expect to be recurring, right. recurring in nature. And they could be on the revenue side. I mean, they could be a large one-time sale to a client that we already do business with, but for whatever reason, they increased their revenue um, last year by a million dollars, and we don't expect that to happen again in the future. From a valuation perspective, looking at what's the future cash flows, that's something that we would normalize as well, right? You're absolutely correct, and, and we see we see it both ways, right? We right. see where where a company loses a significant customer, and so that goes into and impacts part of part of those cash flows. We also the second kind of adjustment that we typically look at and typically make are what we call control level adjustments. So these are adjustments that are made to the income of the company or made to the cash flow of the company, as if. Uh, you have a you have control or controlling interest of the company. So, Josh, if you could, why don't you maybe kind of give us some idea of what type of control level adjustments you would typically see in evaluation? Yeah, so those things are usually going to be discretionary type expenses, how bonuses are paid, how compensation is paid to owners. Um, there may be rent expense involved if there's a related party piece of property that's owned by the business owner. Um, it could be you know, anything from how you uh, market the company to how you, again, how you compensate uh, owners in the business. It's, it's generally going to be those things that as a controlling owner that you would change in terms of maximizing profitability for the company, um, as opposed to uh, paying expenses in a way that is not as focused on profit maximization. And so one of the things I think about in that is if, if you put yourself in the shoes of, say, like a private equity investor, um, where they're focused on returns to their investors, as opposed to uh, a family business that may be focused on things differently. Again, I mentioned earlier, uh, tax minimization strategies, maybe it makes sense to uh, put the rent that the company is paying at, you know, the highest reasonable range uh, that you can support um, for purposes of saving tax dollars that might otherwise be uh, spent if that rent isn't uh, maximized. So that's the type of expenses that we're talking about in those control level normalization adjustments. Okay, thanks for that uh, clarification. So in, in making the assessment, the other component we talked about was, uh, besides cash flow, was risk. So it, when you're kind of going through the process of assessing the, the risk of a company, um, one of the things that I feel important is that we try to use as much data as possible. Right. So what we want to try to do is stay away from subjective determination and, and professional judgment and rely on as much data as possible. Um, Obviously, in any valuation, there is some level of professional judgment that's required. But of course. we want to where we can focus on the data. If if you can, you want to kind of give us a little more insight into that. Yeah, so I, I'll just go through a few of the questions that we're generally going to ask in in that type of analysis. Um, how consistent are the revenue and the earnings of the company? Is it a very volatile business that? You may have significant increases and decreases in uh, revenue, um, or is it 
very steady where we have 3% growth every year and our customers have been around for 45 years and they buy the same amount every year and you know we can eke out a little bit more each year. That's obviously going to be a less risky business than the one that's very volatile in its cash flows. Uh, What's the the competition look like out in the marketplace? Is the company in a highly fragmented, highly competitive environment or do they have some sort of product or service that really differentiate them from the masses and put them in a position where uh, it'd be very difficult to take away their market share? What alternatives exist to the products or services that you're offering as a business? Uh, Again, is it highly replicable or uh, very difficult to take away that market share? Are there customer concentrations? And and this can honestly, this can work in in both ways. Um, Usually, customer concentration is not a good thing, right? Just from a diversification perspective, you want to diversify as much as possible. But I have seen situations where a very high level of revenues come from one customer, but the business has done such a good job of integrating themselves that it would be extraordinarily difficult to pull them out as a vendor to that company. So generally, customer concentration, not a good thing, but uh, in certain instances, it, it, it can be something that reduces the risk of the business. Are there significant key person risks? If you founded the business and you're involved in every element of the business and you have all of the customer relationships uh, and, and they only do business with you, that's not a great uh, position to be in from a risk perspective uh, in terms of generating true value to the business because if you're gone then the the value of the business goes away so you you know we think about what does the management team look like how good of a job is that per that key person doing at transitioning relationships making the business more about the enterprise as opposed to some personal element that they bring to the table okay you mentioned also uh the market approach and and the market approach is another way that we will typically look to value business, right? And, right? and as part of the market approach, we're attempting to identify similar publicly traded companies as well as other maybe privately held companies that have sold in the marketplace. Um, and we talked about – we also talked about data and the importance of data. Yep. Um, could you kind of talk about – talk about the data and the resources that that you have available to you as you're trying to go through and apply a market approach to privately held companies? Sure. I'm actually going to start with the category of if if I have to have my business valued uh, in terms of market data. So when you have to have your business valued for some compliance purpose, we're dealing with uh, reporting to the IRS or financial reporting purposes or maybe litigation, the, the market data that we need to be able to issue a, an opinion has to be very robust and very good information that's reported to uh, reliable purveyors of that data. And we subscribe to a, a lot of different databases in order to get access to that information. Uh, if we don't have good, reliable data, it's virtually impossible to do the market approach. Uh, Aaron, I'm sure you, you're the same as I am in this in this situation where we've both had clients that have told us, you know, there's a business uh, on the other side of town that does the same exact thing for us, and they sold for, you know, X times EBITDA. Uh, and so 
my business should be worth at least that, if not more, because we do this, this, and this better than they do. In a compliance-related assignment, right, if that data isn't reported through a reliable vendor and we don't have documents around that transaction, it's, it's anecdotal in nature. It's useless to us in terms of forming an opinion. Um, when we're acting in a role in, that's more similar to what we're talking about today, that type of data is useful in sort of setting some ranges of value. Again, assuming we have at least some level of information from that uh, anecdotal market evidence. We can also, again, in the type of assignment that we're talking about today, when we go to the databases, we can maybe stretch a little bit further. We can cast the net a little bit wider um, in terms of pulling the market data. So a comparable transaction or a comparable company in this kind of an analysis, uh, maybe we match up on a few factors, but not on some other factors. And we may feel comfortable using that to sort of set the the industry framework, right, in terms of multiples versus in that compliance assignment where we have to be a lot more careful about how we select comparable companies and deriving multiples from those companies. Okay, Josh, so we've talked about quite a few different concepts and components of of the valuation. So trying to kind of loop this back or tie this all in together, what is the right time for a business owner to get their business valued? Uh, if it's not a situation where they must have it valued yeah. like we talked about initially? My answer is usually early and often. As a business owner, I, I, I would want to be keenly aware and understand what the value of the largest asset that I possess is worth. Um, I, I realize this is what we do for a living, and so maybe our perspective is a little bit skewed. But oftentimes when we do this kind of project – Updates can be pretty easy and painless, right? So you do it once, and then if you're getting it updated on an annual or biannual basis, that's the type of update that's not really that difficult to execute. Um, So from a fee perspective, you know, you're not talking about a huge investment of dollars. Um, You're talking about something that as a business owner is going to provide you with useful information. If, again, in that initial analysis, we're talking about different kinds of valuation drivers, Um, And how can we improve those valuation drivers? Having an update done, you know, the next year, maybe two years later, you can you can sort of level set. How did we do against the things that we want to benchmark? Um, the, The other thing that I would say is from the perspective of if you're contemplating an exit, those types of things take a lot of time. And you want to prepare as well as you can for that exit event. So if we're thinking about exiting, we want to be thinking about exiting three, five years ahead of that exit. If you're trying to exit six months, a year from now, you're not going to be in the same position as if you've really focused on it and planned for the next three to five years. So obviously frequency and timing depends on where you're at in a decision-making process. Um, But the earlier, the better. Again, this is, you know, for what we're talking about today, this is all about planning. It's all about information needs and trying to drive the highest value possible for your business when it is time uh, to execute on, on that transaction. So Josh, we covered some really interesting points here today. 
to help business owners understand their options. One of the things, one of the key takeaways for me listening to you talk today in our conversation is that really if the business owner can't answer what is their business worth with any degree of certainty, it may be time to consider having this analysis performed. And I think a really great analogy to that is if you were to call up your financial advisor and ask them about your uh, investments and they couldn't tell you what roughly 75% of your investments were worth, I think the listener would have a problem with that. So the key, one of the key things is to remember that your business is one of your most significant assets um, and that it is worth the investment to figure out what that is worth in terms of dollars. Yeah, and like we've talked about today, really just understanding what you have and what drives value to the marketplace. Well, we are in agreement on that, Josh. So uh, Josh and I are both here, obviously, to help uh, with those needs. And that will wrap up today's podcast. Thank you, Josh, and thank you to everyone who joined us today. Have a great day. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Chief Insights. Subscribe to this podcast series at cohencpa.com slash podcasts. To gain more insights that may impact you, visit us at cohencpa.com slash impact. Cohen & Company is not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Information contained in this podcast is considered accurate as of the date of recording. Any action based on information in this podcast should only be taken after a detailed review of the specific facts, circumstances, and current law.